this is Outside the Box. Standing by to join me is Zane Landon. He's a disability advocate, writer, a recent graduate of Cal Poly Pomona. And he was also part of the MTV Mental Health Youth Action Forum that just went to DC. And I'm so excited to have him on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dean, for having me. I'm really excited to talk about everything you want to talk about. <laughs> well, you have such an interesting background. I, I found you because you were a participant mm-hmm. for the Mental Health Youth Action Forum. Um, you interned at NASA Jet Propulsion Lab. That's super cool. Um, why don't we talk about that first? Absolutely. Sure. All right, let's start. <laughs> so for me, I've done a lot of different internships. I thought that they were good introductory because I really didn't know where I wanted to go. And especially, again, I'll give some context. I'm a communications graduate. So I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Communication. There's a lot of places you can go with that. And I think that for the longest time, I always struggled on what I wanted to do. What career am I interested in? And then I finally decided, I was like, I want to be a storyteller. I want to be a communicator. You know, I learned about communications from a mentor of mine and I was just I was just really passionate about it and I had been for a while I just never knew you could actually create a career out of it then a new problem came about which was what does that mean what kind of communicator there's science communicators there's arts communicators there's mental health communicators health communicators there's literally any function anything you can think about as a communicator so I was a little stuck again (laughs) so I want to do different internships and interesting enough I'll be honest when I actually discovered the internship that I'm doing that I did with NASA. It's called the Universe Public Engagement Internship. I actually found out about it around three years ago or two and a half years ago. And I don't see many internships like that at, at JPL or NASA. You know, a lot of them are, you know, going to be engineering or, mm-hmm. you know, the STEM, the STEM you know, fields. Right. And so when I saw it, I was just really excited about it. I was like, this seems like an incredible opportunity, a way to bring in science and storytelling, which is something we definitely need. right now and unfortunately I waited months like every day I was like waiting for an email but they emailed me saying that they just weren't going to fill the position that wasn't a good time okay and so you know I kind of forgot about it you know and years later last summer I completed an internship at General Motors and we can talk about that after that is this but I love the experience and I wanted to do a fall internship and I actually had an interview for a Disney internship for marketing communications intern and while I was like kind of in the process of that, I saw that the NASA position was open again. Mm. And so I was like, this position was here two and a half years ago. It's the exact job description. Like I remember this. And so I told myself, no, I have my heart set on Disney. I know Disney's where I'm going to be. Okay. It just felt like everything aligned with Disney. Yeah. And then, but then I think there was one night where I was like, no, no, no. What am I thinking? Apply for it. Who knows what's going to happen? Just apply. It's something I've always wanted. So I should go for it. And that's what I did. I applied for it. And then everything unraveled with Disney where I did the interviews. And then unfortunately, they told me, they actually didn't tell me. I just found out online that I wasn't accepted. That was on a Thursday. And I was, you know, upset about it. But then what was really interesting was the next day, Friday, NASA emailed me saying we're interested in moving forward. And I was like, yes. oh, okay. That was, <laughs> I, I didn't think about it at the time. But looking, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at, in retrospect, it's like, wow, it really felt like it was designed that way yes and so like it was the universe at play like yes pun, in, pun intended but no it's you know, true. It really really felt like that right although and I so, like the pun yeah <laughs> <laughs> so I think I you know I was just super excited about the entire thing and it was so quick like they hired really fast and so anyways it was just such a 
great opportunity. I think the main thing that helped me get the, you know, the job at NASA was, I think that the General Motors internship was a huge step because they like made sure to help me create a portfolio. So mm-hmm. all the work that I did at General Motors that summer was in a presentation portfolio, oh. which not a lot of interns do. And so to track almost everything that they're, you are doing. And so when they asked, the first thing NASA asked me was fill this questionnaire with questions about your experience. And one of them was about what's your most rewarding work experience. I mentioned General Motors and I was like, and here is my portfolio. So you can check out every single thing I did at General Motors. And it had everything on it. It had the impact. It had what I was tasked to do and what I what I personally did. And so I think that helped a lot. So that's key, great. With giveaways, you know, for students, make sure you have a portfolio when you're in a work environment, even if it's internship. Um, definitely always have a portfolio that you can, you know, uh, showcase. Yeah, just to showcase what you've done and the impact that you've made and the role that the roles that you've had. So I think that yeah. helped a lot. And overall, it was just a great experience. You know, I never thought I'd be doing communications and PR for NASA. And I was specifically doing it for astrophysics and exoplanets, which were really exciting. And I'm not an expert, so I, of course, can answer everything on that. But I learned so much about exoplanets and, you know, the different missions at NASA, not in as much detail as I wish, mm-hmm. but, you know, as much as I should know as a communicator. And it's just so exciting, some of the work that's happening there and what they've done and just just kind of kind of baffles me how big the universe is. And I was always fascinated with the universe, but, you know, learning about it from this, from the, the back end like this, it's, it's incredible some of the stuff that they're doing. And I actually got to work with scientists who went to Antarctica wow. for months to work on a, on a, you know, a mission. Mm-hmm. Like that is stuff I never thought I would hear. I thought, so or experience, cool. I thought that was something that you see in the movies, yeah. you see scientists going out to these really cold areas and doing experiments. Exactly. I was like, oh, that's all sci-fi stuff. No, I we actually got to meet scientists who had very similar experiences doing something like that. And I was like, wow, it's like, it can be really intimidating being in the same room as some of these people, but they were always very respectful of us. And it was, it was an inclusive environment. So that's it was great. A very, it was a really cool experience. That is amazing. Now, was this before the pandemic? No, it was beginning. No, this was like after because like I interned at General Motors the summer of 2020. No, no, the summer of 2021. I interned at General Motors. So I did the NASA internship from October of 2021 until I recently finished it. So, yeah, that's great. All in person. No, it was all virtual. Virtual. Okay, but did you get to go and see any of the techie stuff or no? No, not really. (laughs) All right. But it was still meaningful work and I, oh, I'm, really sure. happy, I'm really happy with the team and what, you know, they were able to do and yeah. how they were able to engage me and all the projects that they had me do. That is fascinating. Wow. Bravo. Yeah. And yeah. in hindsight, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, it sounds like that was a better choice for you instead of Disney. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had a, a better alignment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember years ago wanting to work for Disney. Mm-hmm. And um, also I got an interview at DreamWorks and they had just opened and I was so excited. I was so excited that when they called me, I was in Connecticut at the time, uh, just visiting my dad and they called and they said, oh, are you going to be out in California at all? And I said, oh, next week. So, <laughs> so I booked a ticket, went out. The, the position was really too junior 
And mm -hmm. I, I, both of us like realized like, no, it just wasn't the right fit. It was like a junior research position and I was finishing my doctorate. So I declined. And when I went to interview for Disney, I was in the waiting room and this girl who is really sick, she brings me into the interview. She says, oh, this place will chew you up and spit you out. And I, as I'm walking in, I'm thinking, really? Like it made me so nervous accept anything and again that position didn't feel right either you know and even though it's a name it's an incredible name you have to really think before you make that kind of decision yeah and what's interesting is in any company or any culture you might experience different team dynamics and i know a lot of people will go oh you know well disney's a great place to work as well as google and microsoft yeah. are great yeah. great places but you have to remember that different teams have their own functions and their own cultures yes. and yes. the team can definitely make or break you. And exactly. so her experience could be the team. It could be the whole company for her. Yes. But it's really interesting how sometimes they'll look at that and look at the great reviews, but that doesn't account for certain teams that may exactly. not perform in an appropriate way. Exactly. So tell me about how uh, you became part of the MTV Mental Health Youth Action Forum. Yeah, I just... Yeah. Oh my goodness. I remember discovering it in December, either December or November. And I was already connected to an organization called Active Minds, which is like a student mental health organization. They have chapters across the nation mm -hmm. and they're all about just breaking the stigma of mental health. And I got really involved in that organization. I restarted the chapter at my university. And so I was, I was already really connected with the organization. They're one of the organizations that partnered with the Youth Action Forum. So because they did that, they posted about it. So that's where I first saw it. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm applying for this. <laughs> I mean, it's about mental health. It's about media and yes. it's about youth. And so a lot of different things that, you know, I identified with and, you know, resonated with, I wanted to be a part of. Amazing. So I was really nervous to apply. And I think there was another layer of nerves because the application was not extensive. The application was very minimal. I think oh. that they asked like three questions and like each question you had like a hundred words or a hundred or 150. Yeah. They didn't ask for a lot. And so they asked like 150 words per each question. They asked like what your what organizations you're part of. They, then they asked that you can submit optional things like optional documents. And they said, if you want, you can submit a resume. You don't have to. I'm like, I'm submitting a resume. <laughs> like I need to have some material here. Definitely. It, it felt so bare bones just to have just a couple of questions. Yes. So I, I can't imagine how hard it was to determine from like such like a you know it wasn't a lot of information from each person so I thought it was mm -hmm. interesting how they did that maybe they did that on purpose though and maybe. so to see how yeah. elaborate you would be in your response and also I think there's like a gift of writing you know in a compelling story in a very short format yes so if you can write a compelling story in 50 words that's better than writing a compelling story that's too long for someone to digest especially as it comes to stuff like this and media right. and mental health. So, yeah. Yeah. So I submitted my application. I didn't hear back till around, was it the end of January? I think I'm not sure on the exact timeline, but they email me. And this is a piece of advice I always give people is check your junk mail. Check your, yes. I check my spam every single day. Cause of reasons like this, I think it was like 11 or 12 at night. And I was looking through my spam and it said, Oh, you're a semifinalist for the mental health action forum. And like, I just kind of convinced myself at that point that I didn't get it. Not when I received the email, but yes, like from you hadn't the, heard back. Yeah. I was like, okay, it was such a long shot there. It's fine. <laughs> so 
I was, you know, really excited to see that email because I was like, I kind of forgot about this. And yeah. I thought it was not a possibility for me. So I don't remember if I applied that night or if I, I think I took like one or two weeks to think about what I was going to say. But again, the application was not extensive. Mm -hmm. I asked a couple of questions and even asked some pretty like interesting, lighthearted ones. Like, what is your favorite TV show about mental health? So they had some pretty, they asked some pretty interesting questions, but I think what helped me the most and what helped me stand out was I had a long list of speaking engagements. I've spoken on several podcasts about mental health mm-hmm. and the digital magazine. I know that you wanted to talk about that. So I think it's a good segue. To I would up. love to. Yeah. I think that's one thing that helped me a lot was something I started, something that I had ownership of. So in May of 2020, when the pandemic first started, I was taking a copy editing class for my major and he wanted us to do a final project on creating our own publication using specific articles that he had. So would we put those articles in it, in our publication? So I actually started off with a, uh, <laughs> like a uh, Urban Legends for kind of magazine. <laughs> and so I thought Urban Legends would be really interesting, but it had to be completely fictional or nonfiction. And so I was like, I don't think he would qualify this as fiction okay. or nonfiction. And so... I decided, you know, something I've been thinking about was just a lot of the mental health decline I was seeing in waves. I was seeing a lot of people, a lot of places, communities experiencing this wave of, you know, mental health conditions and issues much more than we've probably seen in a long time. And I thought that this was an exceptional opportunity to have a conversation about mental health. And I wanted to start it. And I'm not saying that it wasn't happening because it was definitely happening in different places. Right. But I wanted to start my own. Like I wanted to start the conversation in my space, in my community on what I wanted it to see. Because there was definitely tons of organizations doing important work on this. But I was inspired by that. And also, I was also, you know, inspired by the mainstream media. Inspired, not in the best way. What I mean is I was inspired by their lack of, of mental health coverage. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've seen with the mainstream media for a long time, as well as media in general. A lot of the discourse mm-hmm. on mental health isn't the best may not be the most accurate the Mm -hmm. most the most um most human either I think sometimes mental health is treated or painted as like medical condition that is violent or awful and there's no human component what it really is it's not that it's more than that yeah that is such a like that's really a a very black and white stereotype of it I think the media has portrayed that and perpetuated for a long time so I thought that we were all experiencing mental health in isolation. Yes. There were people who were experiencing, we've all experienced mental health because everyone has mental health, but there are some people that are experiencing a decline in their mental health that they've never experienced in their life. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us were, a lot of people were experiencing that. So I think it was a great opportunity to break the barriers and just have the conversation. And it was a shame that the mainstream media didn't you know, hold the conversation or the space and they still, I, I, I see they still don't. They'll, they'll hold conversations or they'll do you know, reportings, but I would love to see a dedicated space to it. And so through the work I'm doing with the magazine, I would love it if there was like a CNN or Fox News thing on like mental health, that's it. Yeah, Ongoing, like even if it's just a mental health segment, that's all it is. Like a half an hour, hour show of the day is Mm -hmm. all about mental health news. Mm -hmm. And that could be like 20 minutes of news and 40 minutes of an interview with an expert who talks about, there's so many topics. I mean, you could talk about Holistic mental health, anxiety, the symptoms. You can talk about everything, the shame, the stigma. There's so many things that, or even like mental health history, stuff that we don't hear about. So that's why I love for it to become. Anyways, so I decided to actually pursue the magazine 
as a real thing. Great. So we started off with an Instagram channel because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to start, what to do. So I just started off with little postings about inspirational quotes, about desserts or crystals, like the most random stuff, cause stuff that I enjoyed seeing. And then it just kind of morphed into something else because we had someone reach out who wanted to be interviewed because we were just writing blogs at that point. And we only wrote two. And so we had someone reach out who's a life coach that he wanted to share his story. And I never thought that I would turn into that. And so my friend interviewed him, we released his story. And then after that, we've shifted the focus to focus on people storytelling and community building and community-based storytelling to make sure that we're talking, to, we're talking with people who are making a real difference in their communities. And also do not shy away of having these raw, unfiltered conversations about whatever it is that they've experienced. And I try my best to hold this space for them to talk about that. And I think what, I wouldn't say what makes the digital magazine different, but the storytelling, we try our best to be different because we're telling their story in the way that they want. Mm -hmm. And we always make sure it's their story. So That's great. every single time we interview someone, we make sure we send them, like, does this look good? We, you cannot be misquoted here. That's great. <laughs> because we don't want, it's your story and you own it. We're just, we're just kind of the catalyst here. Yes. And so, yeah, so I'm just really proud of the magazine. I think that's what really helped me land my place in the Mental Health Youth Action Forum because the magazine has put me in places I wouldn't have been otherwise working with PR firms, working with mental health advocates, working with organizations that I wouldn't have if I didn't do the magazine. So I think the magazine is one of the sole reasons that I was chosen for the forum because without it, I wouldn't be an advocate as much as I was when I applied and even stronger now. So it all kind of just came together. It's amazing. When you, uh, when did the magazine start officially? What year? 2021? Uh, May of 2020. So you think about that, that was only a few months into the pandemic, right? And one thing you talked about is people have really been showing signs of mental health struggles. And, mm -hmm. and the book I'm working on, I talk about how we already had a crisis, a mental health crisis, and the pandemic only exacerbated it with all the pre-existing issues. And then the people that were struggling only were struggling even more so yeah. in the pandemic. And I agree with you about the media. You know, I, I feel that a lot of, a lot of times for me, it's frustrating because I hear um, that now people are talking about it, but they're not talking about it with solutions. They're just talking about it. Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we, we have a mental health crisis. But as Jessica said, who was in the panel we just did the other day, she said to me, well, so, so what? We have all this data. So what are we going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent point. It's completely true. I mean, it's one thing to point out a problem because that's, I mean, I think it, I think for some, especially mental health and like disability, it takes courage to point out the problem because a lot of people don't want to hear the problem. Yeah. So it must be even harder to find a solution for people who have already resisted that problem. And so I think that, you know, I'm glad that they're pushing the barriers of talking about mental health because for the longest time, even identifying it as a problem was, you know, a very hard and challenging thing to do. And I agree. I think that there is a lot of data on mental health. I just don't think people are 100% there yet, which is an unfortunate thing, which is why I'm hoping like things like the Mental Health Youth Action Forum and just so many more advocates coming out and talking about mental health, especially my generation, like Gen Z, Gen Zers, who are really, you know, paving the way for mental health conversations. I think hopefully in the very near future, 
politicians and government and media are going to be ready to embrace it because if they don't I don't think it's going to be a good thing right and Salima too who was on the panel we talked about uh making meaning from adversity with Mallory Mm -hmm. she was saying that you know this is your future right Mm -hmm. so you've inherited the problems from previous people and she's so wonderful and outspoken because this is her future, your future. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about your generation is you're very outspoken on things where normally people would just be filled with apathy and they, they wouldn't talk about mental health. And they, some people feel uncomfortable saying I need a mental, mental health day, you know, mm-hmm. or um, anything. So I, I really admire your generation, um, which is why I wanted to write my book. And, and this series, it's very interesting. We were talking earlier I feel like there are gatekeepers that keep this series from moving forward and and touching the lives of students. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I put this together was because a lot of students were reaching out to me saying, can you talk to me? I lost my job and my internship. I'm really struggling. And of course I'm gonna say yes. And it's just, it's really important to not assume you know what somebody is offering, right? If I talk about this series to give people a chance because this series this summer has just been really engaging and impactful. Uh, And I've just enjoyed every minute and I just want to get the word out. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's great. And like I said before, yeah, good luck. And I, I think university should embrace this. And if not, at least hopefully start hosting their own conversations though on mental health so students can have the space to do that and I see a lot of universities that for one it's already hard enough to get mental health resources because they're they may not have enough psychologists on site and they they may not have enough they don't have enough psych because there's huge need Mm -hmm. I mean yeah and it's it's a university but it's also just a need of the industry because there's just a decline of people going into mental health Work. Or who have left the profession. And I don't blame them. I understand yeah. why. It's a, it's a very hard thing to do. Same with like social work. They have to, it's a lot of work that they have to do. So, and yeah. I'm not going to that work. I'm not, I'm not going to become a mental health practitioner or a mental health professional. I want to be a communicator that communicates about mental health. That's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I commend people <laughs> who definitely, right. who even just in the world of medicine, who go into the world of medicine because of how, Hard it has been, especially for, like you said, especially during the pandemic. But I agree that. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree before what you said, like the pandemic, you know, there was always a mental health epidemic and the pandemic just kind of accelerated those disparities, which makes sense. But you know what's so interesting about what you said before, though, and I didn't even think about this, but, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic of May of 2020, people were already experiencing huge hardship, even in two months in. Right. And that is really interesting. And I think that's, I can't believe that too. That's right. Cause when I started the magazine it was May and I was already feeling really bad. And there was just so much despair in the world. And that was only in two months. And right. so. Well, think yeah, about I, it. There was a huge number. I don't know if you saw this number, but somebody told me they were like 40 million people out of work. Mm-hmm. So you think about that. And then you have, I mean, the New York times did an entire section on mothers impacted by the pandemic, an 18 page section about how hard it is to be a mom in the pandemic, because you're juggling work, you're at home, maybe you're homeschooling, maybe you've lost somebody, 
-hmm. you've lost your job maybe, or it's at risk. You don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Your, your financial situation was already not good anyway. Maybe you're a, a single parent. Um, you know, maybe you're a minority. Maybe, there's so many factors, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, oh my goodness. It, yeah, I, I agree. I think the pandemic did definitely highlight some of these issues and make and yeah. able to, for us to see that they were worsened. And also, I think it's also a good opportunity to like say that the pandemic did some good and yeah. that even though it was a hard time, it definitely, you know, motivated people to fight for injustice more than they ever have before in a way. Yes. And I think that, there are more people talking about mental health, maybe on not on a national scale like the mainstream media, but people in their homes, you know, in their four screens, they were starting to talk about it more. And yes. even though we were isolated, it was still good to see people connect on that front. Yes. I went to a peaceful protest. I I think it was 2021. Mm -hmm. um, it was after the death of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a very important experience for me. I had never been to this type of protest. And plus it was horrific what happened to him, to say the least. And um, that there were a lot of people your age, uh, a lot of Gen Z at the mic. We had a moment of silence and there were hundreds and hundreds of people. It was so powerful. I was so glad I went. Um, and it just, it just definitely gave me a moment of pause. Like I remember being in my, um, I work out of my bedroom and my daughter's like, will you come with me? I'm making a poster. And I'm like, sure. So it's, it's like work wasn't that important. You know, it just like, it put things in perspective for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think also the pandemic like kind of forced us to like reflect on everything. And so there were a lot of people that had to come to terms with who they were, their beliefs, yeah, And I also think that partly the George Floyd incident was so impactful was because of the pandemic. Right. I'm not saying that it wasn't horrific, but there have been cases that were almost as bad as that, Yeah, um, but did not get the intention that it did. And I think that's because right. people were stuck in their thoughts and having mm. to just see yes. horrible after horrible. And that was kind of the breaking point. Right. And I, I really do think if it wasn't for the pandemic, I don't know if it would have received as much attention as it did. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. I was also saying um, to someone, and I, I've been writing about this, how um, you have uh, the climate activist, um, mm -hmm. why am I blanking on her name, who, who came from, um, I'm blanking on her name. You know what I'm talking about? She was like- Greta Thunberg? Yes, Greta Thunberg. Okay. That's so, the only activist I know. <laughs> okay. So uh, she came from her country and I'm thinking- the the magnitude of an impact she made. I mean, students that all over the world, adults, they were walking out, especially students, they were doing walkouts in New York, all over the world. I'm thinking, I wish people would do that for mental health. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. because, no, I wish that too. Yeah, because one of the things I feel that teachers have, have had a horrible time in the pandemic. And I read a number that over... 300,000 teachers since 2020 have left the profession, 300,000. And for, for so many reasons that are valid, but 
you know, STEAM and STEM are a priority, but mental health is not. It's not, it's not across the curriculum, across all schools. There might be mental health week once a week in, in a whole year, you know? And I feel that, and other students have said this, if you don't prioritize mental health, where are you as an adult? Where are you in college? You're nowhere, right? doesn't matter if you get all A's and you ace your APs and your scores and whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think with I agree with that. I think it would be great to see a walkout for mental health. And I don't know why there hasn't been, especially when you see things like your classmate dying by suicide. Yeah. To me, that's enough to have a walkout. But I think maybe why people haven't is because every single time a suicide happens, yeah, the school system does its best to support their students in that time of need. But other than that, there's not a focus on mental health. And it's interesting, like people when I hear about suicide, they go, yes, take the time for your mental health. Yeah, right now. But then in a week or two, when everything goes away again, people are experiencing this and there's not going to be attention on it. Right. So that's that's something I find interesting, too, is it. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. There's always attention put on these issues when something horrible has to happen. Yeah. But it's sad that it's not an ongoing process. It has to be preventative. Health. It has that to too. be preventative, right? It has to be this ongoing thing. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things I'm a proponent of and the work I'm doing are preventative initiatives and they, and they could be student run, not adults telling you what to do, but peer to peer initiatives. And yes, if there's something really horrible going on, you go to that counselor, but this will deflect the um, workload on a counselor. And let's say peers can come together on different initiatives on different things that are impacting them. But if you, if mental health is an ongoing initiative throughout the year, then it's not something that you're trying to catch up on, right? when something awful happens you know yeah i think it's important to because like a lot of times it's a lot of the mental health that i see is a lot of reactive responses yes instead of being proactive um because if you think about it we need to be proactive so someone doesn't die by suicide right Uh, because and they happen all the time that's what people don't get they still think that suicide is a taboo it's like oh this person almost died by suicide we'll get them help and we don't talk about it again when actually, no, let's keep talking about it actually, because, you know, it happens all the time when you look at how many people attempt suicide for every completed. Yes. It's millions of people, millions of people. And so right. I think that, again, having more conversations about it is good, especially people who have suicidal thoughts, because a lot of people don't share that they have. I have. But I, and I think that that's not abnormal. I think, like, I think it's actually a very normal thing to think. But mm-hmm. for some reason, we think it's so out there and so like so different that we feel alone in our thoughts and we don't want to bring it up because we really think it's something people don't think about but I think a lot of people think about ending yeah. their life or just the thought of it or just yeah. even, I don't want to be alive anymore there's a lot of things that people think yeah. but for some reason society is treated as if it's like an outlier right no I agree with you and the pandemic even for adults have brought up past trauma Mm-hmm. right so i mean you think about all the people that had to go and seek therapy and there weren't enough therapists you know especially for adults yeah and then another thing well i'll bring up the mental health action form again mm-hmm. one of the things that we definitely talked about a lot was you know just trying to engage more people of color to become mental health practitioners love that and so <laughs> and it makes sense though i mean for me like i i personally wouldn't care what my like what race or gender my doctor is 
because it's just a human body yeah but that's my personal opinion i know some people don't agree with that but but also personally i would care maybe what my race or gender my mental health practitioner is because to my doctor i'll tell them about just my health and my background but with a mental health practitioner you might be telling them really deep stuff yeah and so if you can find someone that you resonate with that maybe looks like you you may already have you know already a bond there that they understand you don't have to explain how it feels to experience racism you know to someone who doesn't get it and I think it's exhausting to have to explain what that really feels like to someone who may not fully grasp what it means so maybe easier for someone who can like kind of resonate with you know who they're talking to so that's that's just another a way of you know um that that would be just that's like a good example of why more people of color and queer folks and people with disabilities should go into mental health work um just to make it more of a diverse inclusive oh i agree unity yeah no that's an excellent point is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation um maybe specifically what has helped you through the challenges the past three years? Yeah, I will say one one of the hardest times I did mention, you know, during the panel, my mom passed away in January of 2021. Mm. So I think that although the pandemic was hard from the beginning to that point, it was okay because my mom was still around. And so she was always my huge support system. So every time I needed something, I would always go to her. And I know not everybody has that, but I will say, try and find your own community there there's so many organizations that need support this is I always say this it's probably like a broken record at this point but you know there are people that don't have a community and my suggestion is unfortunately you might have to find one yourself and that could be just volunteering for an organization or signing up to attend an an event or something like a virtual event who knows who you're going to be able to connect with sure Um, because for some people they may not have anyone I think Unfortunately, it's hard, but I think that they may have to put in that work to find their community um, to find that support system. So when January of 2021 happened, it was just horrible for everyone in my family. You know, it was something we weren't expecting. It wasn't something that we were made aware of because, you know, there are some families that can grieve early because they know it's going to happen. Yeah. And so but for us, it was completely random. We had no idea it was going to happen. And yeah, it was definitely hard. And I think that was the worst part of the pandemic and it wasn't even due to COVID it wasn't Mm -hmm. I mean it's not like that would have mattered but it wasn't due to COVID and I think that that's actually we were kind of lucky that it wasn't COVID because everyone in the ICU was had COVID except my mom and they tested her for COVID she didn't have it um so we were able to actually visit her oh that's good it was so we were able to you know see her body you know and so that was definitely hard but I try and look at the light and that I was I was definitely in a good place to do that because a lot of people did not have the opportunity to do that. A lot mm-hmm. of people kind of had to say goodbye virtually. Right. Which is, I, um, I can't really imagine that. And so uh, I was lucky enough for that. And I think things like the magazine helped me because I was able to still contribute to mental health, but also kind of put myself in a position I'm not usually in. So mm-hmm. what I mean is, <laughs> so the magazine is all about positivity, true, like positive storytelling. And that doesn't mean it's all happy and sunshines, but right. it, it, we confront ourselves and yeah. so we can be positive and use the tool of positivity. And I think that helps me because I, I write a lot of this stuff, like the postings that we do help me a lot because it's all about recognizing the positive and also the negative. Because in actuality, I'm 
I'm actually a very negative person. <laughs> you are? That sounds awful, I know. But I mean, like, that doesn't mean, like, I'm harsh or anything. But, like, my personal life, mm-hmm. when someone gives me a compliment, I will tell myself, they're just being nice. So that's what oh. I mean by how I'm a negative. It's not like how I'm, I'm I, not no, saying. No, like, I hear I'm, you. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a downer. Yeah. But, like, every opportunity, I'm always going to see, well, it's probably because this reason or this reason. It's never, yeah. like, oh, it's just a positive experience. It's always, there's something else going on. So that's what I mean. I don't mean, like, I'm this huge downer. <laughs> Um, but, it's almost like imposter syndrome like you just don't yeah. think you're deserving of the accolades yeah what's funny though is I love supporting people and others and being very you know positive about their journey but when it comes to mine it's very hard I think a lot of people can can resonate with that because yes. I think a lot of people feel that way we're always our own worst enemies which is completely true so that's yeah. what I mean by you know being negative and so by the magazine challenges me to think a different way and see the world in a different light um, okay. And also embrace that kind of you know, that that kind of lifestyle and mindset. So I think that's what helped a lot. And just staying busy yes. helped me because yes. I think that helped a lot. I know like not everyone's busy, but I was involved in so much that even though I was able to grieve in my own way, I still had a lot of good distractions. Yes. And so I feel for my family because like my some a lot of my family members weren't really doing a lot, you know. And so I would see them just sulking in the depression and it just, I saw them getting worse and worse. And eventually, eventually they were able to, you know, you know, find themselves again, but it was definitely hard to see. And I was lucky enough that I had that. And I also had a partner that was, you know, there for me through everything, especially, especially for that. Cause he already experienced that he's a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. So he already experienced losing both parents. So he knew the process he knew how it felt yeah so that day that we found out and went to see her body after I just went with him and he supported me the whole day and amazing um, yeah so that again I was pretty fortunate to have a lot of these things but um it was it's still hard of Uh, course and I know a lot there are some people that argue that grieving is like a (sighs) some people argue that grieving is a process or it's grieving the grieving period does end you can believe that if I know some people really believe that. And if you believe I don't that, think it ends. I don't think it does either. <laughs> um, but for people that believe that you can believe that if that's what you believe. But for me, yeah. I think it's something that's always there. And I don't think that timing, time does anything. I know some people go, oh, you know, things get better with time. Uh, I disagree. I mean, I've only been grieving not too long, but still, I don't think that time is going to make it easier. I just think it's going to make it less unbearable. Does that make sense? Completely, because I lost a friend of mine in 2010, and I was horrified. I, I was, it was so unexpected. I was shocked. Uh, I was told it was suicide. Mm. I took a year off from radio. I decided I wanted to do something really meaningful and do a talk show. I was a, I was a DJ, and the talk show would be Get the Funk Out, and mm. I would talk about what I was going through, but I'd, I'd give a platform to other people. So what I hear you saying is like, when you're creating something, it's a way for you to put your grief into something positive mm-hmm. and you're giving people a place, you know, to shine and share. And, and in the time that we've struggled in the past few years, that's a wonderful thing. Um, so for me, it was writing, it was radio. It was, it was really helpful. Really. You know, what's so interesting about this is I think when there's like in times of need, you never know what you're capable of. Oh, yeah. There's a beautiful quote. And one of them is like, when you're at your worst point, the most opportunity happens. 
which I think mm -hmm. is really interesting. And so you hear about so many people during the pandemic that started organizations that started podcasts. Yeah. I mean, look at Jessica, who was on the panel. She started this organization because her grandfather. Know, her, yeah. yeah. And it's like when we in these dire times of need, some of us, some of us can shine and create some of the most wonderful things. And luckily I've been able to connect with so many people who created things during the pandemic and use yeah. that, use the space of what a lot of people deemed as this horrible negative space. They were able to turn into like this positive experience. And yes. Yes. Those are the people that inspire me. Those are those are the true leaders. And and they're not necessarily in the media, they're not necessarily these big influencers, but they're the everyday people who are making change and that's who I love seeing. That's and I wish you would see more of that. I wish you would see more everyday oh, people I agree. in the news. I agree. I think we need a different type of network. Like that yeah. there's no negative negative news. It's only like this positive news. And um one thing I want to tell you was so um in 2015, my dad was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And I've always loved to write. And I thought I would write a book at one point. And I remember having, it, he, he was going from Connecticut to Florida and he thought that some doctor would be able to just operate and, and they couldn't. So he passes away in December, 2015. And I remember taking the eulogy that I wrote because I had to write it on the plane on my way to Florida. And I added some humor because he had this crazy sense of humor. He was like a real hard ass at times, a workaholic, worked in New York, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember putting in just a lighthearted sense of him because I also got into voiceover because of him. He used to do these crazy characters one time when I was 18 on the plane. And I'm like, I didn't even know him because I didn't live with him growing up all the time. Mm. So I'm sharing this with you because... Um, when I was traveling back to California, I decided when I got home, I would type this up and submit it to the New York Times because they have a section, uh, The Lives We Loved. Mm. That's what it's called. And it's still up there. And I got home, literally got off the plane, typed this up and submitted this cute picture of my dad and I when I was like four, face to face, our mouths are open. I'll have to send it to you. It's so cute. I had this awful bull head haircut. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I submitted it and they accepted it. And I was, I was like, I need to be a writer. Like, that's really what I want to do. I want, I really want to write. And, and so back to your point, like you just don't know what will happen from mm -hmm. a really dark time. You might just discover yourself. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think people do because when you grieve, you're kind of, you're like reevaluating yourself in the relationship of what you've had, what mm -hmm. you wish you had. And I think that makes you definitely learn a lot about yourself. And for some, some people might create something and that doesn't, you need to be a certain person. Like you don't need to be a super creative person. That's the no. thing that I think is interesting too, is it's not just the creative people that are there, that experiences. It's these people who have, like you said, may not have been a writer or never wanted to be a writer, never thought about it. And then right. all of a sudden it's just, it's like an epiphany. And yes. So my 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 piece of advice is just just embrace that. If you're yeah. feeling uncertain and you're feeling like maybe I need to do something different, I would embrace that. You know, yeah. and see where that can lead you. Doesn't mean drop everything you're doing. Right. <laughs> but, you know, explore this new side that you that you may have never thought was there. You know. Yes. 
Yeah. I know if you have this little tidbit of an idea, maybe spend 30 minutes on it at night because that 30 minutes could turn into two hours. Oh my goodness. And then, yeah, and you never know where that's going to lead you. Like if you're starting an organization or if you write something or like you said, just submitting something you wrote Mm -hmm. to New York Times. And without you doing that, who knows how different your life would be now? You never, it's interesting. Right, right. Where can people find out more about you? Sure. I mean, you can find, you have my name, Zane Landon. You can find my personal Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm really active on them if you ever want to chat about anything. And then the magazine is Positive Vibes Mag. You can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And our website is positivevibesmag.com. If you're interested in being featured, let me know. And then, you know, please check out our articles and what we post. We're always trying to break the chains of, you know, or the, the bondage of mental health that we yes. can't fear, that it's hard to free ourselves from because of societal expectations and just people. And so yes. that's what we're trying to do. So I hope you enjoy it and reach out if you ever need anything. Fantastic. Thank you. This has been great. Always great to talk to you, Zane. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for having me. My pleasure.